So Exodus 20, as you might have noticed each week, we just keep adding more. So we're starting at the beginning and reviewing uh, where we've been so far, but we'll preach just on the fourth commandment. So this is the word of the Lord, Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything that's in the heaven above or on the earth beneath or is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and the fourth generation for those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, You shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for your law. Lord, it is a mirror, and as we look in it, we see... And we're disappointed over and over again. But Lord, we thank you that Christ did fulfill all of this. Lord, we pray that this would be a map to us as well, that we do have the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Holy Spirit, move right now in me. I plead with you, Holy Spirit. Move in them for their good and mine. This is your word. Use it this time, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we come now to the most debated of all of the Ten Commandments. It is the Fourth Commandment. It's, this is the one, I would say, that's the most acceptable to break among Christian communities. Break and have no shame about it. Many of the others, you, we break them, but we do it in secret or we deny it. Not this one. But why is it such a big issue? When God says, why, no, I'm sorry, for us, why is it such a big issue to obey this? He says, work hard six days and rest one day. Seems pretty clear, but we have a really hard time with it. Here's why. I think this is part of the cause. I'm actually going to talk to you about sex for a minute. All right, I got all of your attention. All right, here's how this goes. When God says no, we want something more. When God says yes, we don't want it anymore. So, take the seventh commandment. What is the seventh commandment? Do not commit adultery, right? Very clear. No sex outside of marriage, okay? But then what do we want? When God says no, everyone wants it. It's a big deal. Then what happens when you get married? All of you are married know this. Now it's actually, you have to be told you're supposed to have sex, right? Isn't that true? So when God says no, we want something more. This is the same with the fourth commandment. God says work. Work hard, six days. And we're like, Facebook looks more exciting. I'm going to scroll through And maybe some YouTube videos. And I'll take it. It's a nap time. Siestas, they do that in Mexico. Why can't we do it here? Right? So we don't want to work. And then God says, no, one day just stop working. I'm ready to work. Isn't that interesting? We, this is not just you, it's me too. We must admit we're just rebels. Ever since Adam and Eve, God says don't do it. And we're, we want to do it. Isn't it true? 
Is that true of all of us? I mean, it's many of his commands. It's true both for the seventh commandment as well as the fourth. So look at page seven. You're going to see this. It, we're talking about the relationship between work and rest. What's that relationship like in your life between work and rest? Do you want to grow in that? In having a healthy work and healthy rest? God does, and so he gave us the fourth commandment. Look at on page seven, you see how we're breaking this down. How is the, the Sabbath a blessing? So key word this morning, I want to focus on the blessing. It's actually a gift. Keeping it, the Sabbath, holy is a blessing. From verse eight. Secondly, working six days is a blessing. Verse nine, not working one day is a blessing. From verse 10, and God's blessing is a blessing. From verse 11. All right, look at that first one. Keeping it holy, keeping Sunday holy is a blessing. Look at verse eight again. It says, remember the Sabbath day. First word, remember. <clears throat> so kids, have you, do your parents ever say that to you? Do your mom ever say, remember, don't forget? Why would mom say that to you? She's afraid you're going to forget, right? So, so also God. We are prone to forget this command. So he starts with remember. We need to not forget it. Remember, to do what? To keep it holy. Keep it holy. What does that mean? So holy means set apart. We'll, we'll look at this more at the last line. Look at the last line. It says the Lord um, blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. But for us, it says keep it holy. What does this mean? To keep it holy. It means to set it apart. So in order to understand that, we need to understand holiness. Now, I want to talk about desserts for a second. Many times this sermon, you'll be like, why are we talking about desserts now? Just some of the names. I'm going to read you some names of desserts. See if you notice any pattern. Sinfully delicious fudge brownie sundae. Lustful red velvet cake to satiate your naughty desires. I did not make that up. Indulgent cookie dough ice cream. Do you see any pattern in these names at all? See, we think that unholiness is where is most pleasurable. That's why we name desserts that way. Because they think, oh, this is really going to be good. Holiness, do you associate that with pleasure? Not usually, right? And so this is part of the problem. We see the fourth commandment say, keep it holy. And we say, what a drag. So I want to just ask you to suspend disbelief for a second. That all the pleasure is in unholiness. And I want to make a case for how the greatest pleasure is actually in holiness. Now, I'm not arguing that there's no pleasure. Those desserts, I'm sure they taste really good. And there's nothing sinful about them, ironically, unless maybe you have five of them. But um, there is pleasure in sin. I'm not going to argue that. It's short-lived, but isn't true. There is pleasure in sin. So, but there's not the greatest pleasure. There's even greater, because then, I mean, you feel terrible, especially if you're a Christian. You realize, I know I wasn't supposed to do whatever it was. It felt good at the moment, but it, I knew I was wrong. Okay, imagine this scenario. Next Sunday, you have two options. Let me lay out option one. You can spend the day at the beach, at the lake. You can spend the day camping, at a sports event, at a race. Or, okay, that's option one. Or the other option is be in church. Which one are you going to have the greatest pleasure in? It's interesting, isn't it? It's a hard question. <laughs> it's a hard question. Here's why. If you're a Christian, you have two things that play inside of you. You have a flesh. Scripture talks about this often. And your flesh has taste buds. 
Your flesh desires things, okay? And so it responds to things. You also have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so my flesh desires that which is evil. You have one too. And so all that when we, um, so those two options, option one, option two, the flesh loves this and finds no pleasure in that. Going to church? Man, it sounds boring. But all these other things, right? Now, even some of those things aren't sinful themselves, except it happens to be we have a fourth commandment, right? That says, here's where you're supposed to be. The spirit, on the other hand, finds absolutely no pleasure in doing anything when God says not to do it. Do you follow that, that logic? So you just have to understand, you have two things at play. Now, if you feed the flesh a lot, those taste, bed, those taste buds really work well. And if you've, if you've not grown as a Christian, though, that the spiritual things will have no attraction to you. The spiritual man, if he is weak, doesn't taste, doesn't enjoy the pleasure. Now, did any of you have COVID? You don't have to raise your hand. Did any of you have this, the thing when you lost your taste buds? Like the food just had no taste, Right? You're eating delicious food and it just tasted like salt, right? And so spiritually we're like that, right? That we all, our, 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 ta- our um, sense of taste has been mangled up. And so we just have to admit that as you come to this, as you come to Scripture, you say, you know what? What tastes good to me isn't necessarily going to be right. You know, we as a church, we're very young, aren't we? As I often say, the concrete's still wet here right? We are setting the DNA of hope. And so my desire is, is that you would take to heart and consider the fourth commandment. Because my hope is, is to set the DNA according to scripture in all things, and this being one of them, about how we treat the Lord's day. Listen to this verse. This is from Isaiah 58. It says, um, this is 58. This is probably my favorite verse on the Sabbath. You might want to jot this down. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not doing your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Can you see the taste buds here between the two? I will cause you to ride in triumph on the height of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It's probably the clearest passage that explains the real heart of the issue. I mean, because you could be, some of you might be self-righteously saying, I'm in church, I have perfect attendance. We don't have perfect attendance cards because it all makes us self-righteous. It's why, but your hearts, I struggle with this. I'm here every week. I have an excuse because this is part of my job, right? You would be upset at me if I didn't come. But my heart cannot be here. I mean, I'll be honest, sometimes in worship, sometimes when I'm singing, my heart's thinking about what I'm going to do in a minute, right? So do you see that I can break the Sabbath just like you can, whether we're here or not. So please don't listen to this self-righteously. It's an issue of the heart. You know, another thing is what makes this, you, you say, now how could this be more pleasurable? This is very ordinary. Like this is a very ordinary stage, ordinary service. There's really nothing fancy about this. What's amazing about this is who we're worshiping, not the service, does that make sense? To illustrate that, you know, don't some of you times you spend um, some time with your spouse and doing very average things. Yesterday, my wife and I took a walk. It was very ordinary. We walked around ponds in our neighborhood. Those ponds are there. We drive by them all the time. But it was, it was so romantic. It was so fun. We're holding hands walking. But it was a very ordinary setting. But what was amazing 
was who I was with. What makes this amazing, part of the reason we don't put a bunch of makeup on our, on our um, service, we have lights and sounds and smoke machines and all this fancy stuff, is because who we're with. We want you to spend time with God. What's amazing about Sunday is not how all the great things you do, it's who you're with. Just like my walk yesterday or when you're with your spouse. And hopefully you've had that experience. Haven't you, if you've been a believer long, when you feel really close to Jesus, when you feel like you've read, you've read the Bible, or you're at a conference, or you're sometime, you're like, my heart feels so full after spending time with Jesus. You probably don't have that same feeling after binge-watching your favorite show, do you? Feel kind of lifeless and numb. But it, it, it gives some pleasure, right? And so the, the pleasures of being a Christian are greater, but sometimes they take a little while to understand. Parents, you know this. Because sometimes, don't you treasure time with your children more than they do? Is that true? Sometimes it's that we just it's so sweet. I get to spend time with my child. God is that way. He treasures time with you. And so he set apart one day to spend with you, and he loves it, even if we're kind of half-hearted about it. And so, but even if you've never experienced this, it doesn't change the facts. Right, kids, you are still a child of your parents. Whether you enjoy time with them or not, they're still your parents and they still love you. Right? And this is the way it is with God. God loves you, delights to spend time with you, whether it's exciting to you or not. Now, that verse I read to you is in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament, but it's even better. What has God done to demonstrate that he loves us? Do we have anything new that the Old Testament didn't have? A way to know? Yeah, don't we? Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, do you know how that ends? Christ died for us. Christ died for us. So now, and that verse was written a long, long time ago. Isaiah wrote it. And we know Christ died for us. This gives even more reason to keep this day holy. So when we set apart one day in seven, we're getting off the hamster wheel. I often think of that. And it's so helpful to me just to take a break, to gather together with his people. So keeping Sunday holy is a blessing. But there's a second positive command. So it brings us to our second point. Working six days is a blessing. Okay, look at verse 9. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Did you know the the fourth commandment is actually about work as well? The fourth commandment says, do all your work. You shall labor. Wow, that seems pretty direct. One of the reasons people don't set Sunday apart is because they failed to do things the rest of the week. We won't see a show of hands of everyone who struggles with procrastination. I'll just raise my hand on behalf of all of us. I struggle with procrastination. I leave off things that I can do that later. And so many times people end up with Sunday all crowded with stuff because they just neglected to do stuff. Kids, do you really like doing homework on Saturday? No, just leave that for Sunday. Who likes doing grocery shopping? Just leave that for Sunday. Right? We're all like this. We just put things off. So part of the things that crowd Sunday is our neglect of the other six days. Right? What did it say? Work hard six days. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. You've worked really hard. You finished a project and you have that satisfying feeling like I did something. Isn't that a good feeling? And so, so it is. It's a blessing. To work six days is a blessing, right? To keep it holy is a blessing. To work six days is a blessing. Now, I want to talk to you. If you are a mom, if I could have your attention to all the moms here, um, you don't get to like finish your job. Like, do you ever like get to finish being mom? Like get it completely done? Right? So God is very, very pleased with your work. 
He's very pleased. When you take care of your children week after week, you change more dirty diapers, you do more laundry, you take care of your husband in your home, God is very pleased with that. How do I know? Because he said to do, he commanded that. And so whenever you fulfill God's command, he's pleased with that. God is very pleased with that. So you should take satisfaction with fulfilling, working hard six days. It is a blessing. God intends. So you don't have the same satisfaction of a guy that like builds something and just leaves it and it just stays there, right? If only our kids were that way, right? Be encouraged. It is a blessing to work hard and God delights in it. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. The Lord is truly pleased with hard work. You remember Israel in um, the desert? That manna? Remember that stuff that came from heaven? On Saturday, or not Saturday, the day before the Sabbath, what did they have to do? They had to collect double portion, right? Because he said, hey, it ain't coming tomorrow. On the Sabbath, no manna from heaven. They said, okay, we better collect too. Any other day, it rotted if you kept it for two days. But they collected, they did extra work. So should we not more so prepare for the Lord's day? What, what, are we, what are we neglecting that we could do on Saturday or during the week so that then we can rest? Working six days is a blessing. Now, if you really struggle with this, your Sunday, Sunday and particularly as Sunday moves on, try doing it as the, the Israelites did and celebrate it from sundown on Saturday to sundown on Sunday. That's another legitimate option. And so Saturday evening, prepare yourself spiritually, rest, get ready for Sunday, and then on Sunday night, get ready for your week. You can try it too. Whether you shift it wherever, to take an actual full 24-hour break is truly a blessing. Okay, so that's that. Now we get, there's two, after two positive commands, there's a negative one. Our third point is not working one day is a blessing. So working six days is a blessing, not working one day is a blessing. Look at verse 10. I'll start in verse 8, just for context. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor. Do all your work. Okay, we got that part. Verse 10, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. I'll pause there. What we see here is God, all the way back from creation, has set up this pattern of six and one. Six days of work, one day of rest. Now, many of us think in a five and two, right? Our culture has taught us, you slave at work for five days, and then you get two days to do with whatever you want. Isn't that what our culture tells us? That is not a biblical idea. It's not. That you just work hard for five, and then you get two days that you are king to do whatever you want. What is the biblical, what does this command teach us? It says six days you shall work, right? So even though you've only worked five, your lawn needs mowing, you have grocery shopping, you have all this stuff to do, right? So you do that on Saturday. And then one day, it says, is God. He says, do no work. All right, now kids, you're going to need your fingers for a second. All right, I'm going to read this. You remember we talked about this a few weeks ago, how, how mom often and dad gives you lots of instructions when they leave the house. Like, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, right? So look at how detailed God's instructions are. Count with me how many things and people are told not to work. Okay, look at verse 10. It says, on it you shall not do any work. You, your son, so be counting with me, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Okay, show me your hands. How many we got? That's right, seven. That is pretty detailed. Who's left out there? Uh, nobody. <laughs> right? I mean, even the animals. I mean, he's pretty thorough, isn't he? Pretty thorough. Why such detail? 
Why such detail? I guess he really means it, huh? Just like mom and dad, when they give you detailed instructions, they really want you to do all those things. Who's, who, is, who is this addressed to? Who is this, verse 10, who is being addressed? Who is this spoken to? Is it spoken to kids? Well, no, it's spoken because it says son and daughter. Kids, you don't have sons and daughters, so it can't be you guys. It's actually the heads of households. Okay, so if you this morning are a father or a single mother, then this is to you. This command is to you. Or if your husband isn't around, then it's to you. Does that make sense? It's saying you're in charge. So your son, your daughter, you're, you're the one that's in charge of all the, the livestock. Now servants, we don't have servants anymore. Now we have employees. Hopefully you don't treat them like servants. But if you're a business owner, does this apply to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it says everyone gets a rest. So if you're a head of a household, please pay particular attention. God is speaking this to you. And that it's your job to give everyone a break. Give everyone a break. Even the animals. You probably don't have ox anymore that does your work. Um, okay, here's what I think. I don't think this whole command, I think you already knew about this command. Most of you, like you aren't like shocked. Like, What? God says there's a day of rest? I never heard this. I think the primary issue is not information. If it was, I'm done. Hey, there's the information, go, go on. But you already knew it. I think it's an issue of our hearts. I think it's an issue of our hearts. It's true of me, and I imagine it's true of you. And so my intent is to appeal to your hearts, not just your heads. To our hearts, not just our heads. I think we really believe that we get more pleasure from doing things that we want to do on Sunday. How do you feel about vacations? Are they like a big drag to you? Like, oh, they, it's next week's vacation. I'm going I'm to have to take, do no work for a whole week. Why are you laughing? No one does that, right? We look forward to vacations. I mean, most people... If you have special circumstances, ignore this illustration. The rest of you, we really love vacation. It's a break. So God has given you a one-day vacation every week. He commanded you and said, I order you, take a vacation every week. And we are all bent out of shape about it. It's so strange, isn't it? Which goes back to the introduction, right? If God says no, then we don't like it. Um, but any other time, we love vacations. I mean, there are many Christians who are only in church when they have nothing better to do. Are you like that? I know it's kind of pointed. Are you like that? I mean, if, if you're right now, jot down a list of in the past year, all the things that kept you out of church. All the things that kept you out of church. You start that list, you might not have time to finish it, but what are all the things that kept you out of church? Now, not just our church, but any church, right? There's churches everywhere. Anywhere you travel, there's one, most likely. What kept you out of church? Now, granted, some of you might be acts of necessity or mercy. You might have a job. You might be a nurse or something. We're all very grateful. If we get sick on Sunday that there are necessary jobs, thank you for serving. But most of us, it was not that. Many of the things that I do, right, or that we do are not acts of necessity or mercy. What are the things that kept us out? That list, I know I'm being very direct, that list are things that are more important to you than the worship of the living God. Whatever those things on that list were, that day you had a choice between option one and option two, and you said, this is the thing I'm going to do, right? And you had, you had a rationale of why that was okay, 
But those things were more important to you than the fourth commandment. And so I just, I, I want to press it. I'm pressing this so hard because I love you. I really care about you. God says this because he loves you. He intends this to be a good gift. He intends this to be a good gift. This is a blessing, though it doesn't always feel like a blessing. I mean, I try it out. Test the Lord. Try setting apart your Sundays and letting his way be better than ours. He really wants to lift our head to heaven. I mean, young girls, have you ever, do you ever dream about your wedding day? I've got four girls. Young girls, and particularly as they get older, teenage girls, they dream about their weddings, right? Christian, you should be daydreaming about your wedding day. One day, Jesus will come back and sweep you away on a great white war horse. You'll, be, you'll rule with him. That applies more to the guys. We're excited about that. It's true. I'm so busy. Don't you forget that sometimes? God has set aside one day each week to stop all the rest and just remember, I am a Christian. I'm not going to be stuck here on this earth forever. I get to go to heaven one day. We need a weekly reminder of this, and God gave it to us. Every Sunday is meant to be a foretaste of heaven. A foretaste of heaven. Not working one day a week is a blessing. So now we come to the last verse and our final point. God's blessing is a blessing. I know it sounds weird. God's blessing is a blessing. What do I mean? Look at verse 10 or 11. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord did what? He blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now God blesses people. How do you bless a day? Right? Like, does he give like a gift to the day? Like, how do you bless a day? No, it can't mean that. To understand this, the words of Jesus are helpful here. He says in Mark, we studied this a long time ago, that he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the way that that God blessed it was he gave it to us as a gift. I mean, a spouse might do this. You might plan a whole day of events for your spouse. All these special things, you have made that day a blessing to your spouse. Right? And so your spouse is delighted. Hey, it's great. I can't wait to find out what you have planned for me. That's what God intends. He said, I set this day apart as a blessing. He wants to give it to us as a blessing. But then he says, what's the very last part? He made it holy. We've already talked about holiness some. But what does he mean here? Well, even first before that, we see the pattern of creation. You know, there's two actually... Two people's beliefs. Some people actually say the Sabbath was fulfilled in the ceremonial law, right? And they say, you don't need to do this anymore. That's wrong. I'll tell you in a second. Seventh-day Adventists say, you're here on the wrong day. You should be here on Saturday. Okay, let's quickly address these two. The ceremonial law. This is not a new commandment. When they were doing the manna, he talked about the Sabbath. They already knew. He didn't like have to explain it to them. How was that? Because all the way back in Genesis 2, he established it. Okay, so it was a creation mandate. So if it happened before the ceremonial law, do you think we can get rid of it with the ceremonial law? Does that make sense? It happened before. This was all the way back to creation. This is, as I said, this is the most debated of all the Ten Commandments. People want to throw this out. Why might they want to throw it out? Remember the introduction. It is highly inconvenient. Because God says, this day belongs to me. And we say, I think this commandment we're going to set aside. Well, that's creative and very gutsy of us. It's wrong. Do you see that? God set up this pattern all the way from creation. 
This is not part of the ceremonial law at all. Jesus even said, I am Lord of the Sabbath. Wouldn't it be strange for someone to say I'm Lord of something and then make it obsolete? Did you catch that? If he says I'm Lord of something, how is he then going to make it obsolete? This is not part of the ceremonial law. Now, what about the Saturday and Sunday thing? Do you know what day Jesus rose again? We have Easter Sunday. He rose on Sunday. That's how we got it. It moved from Saturday to Sunday. There's not time for me to read all the verses. I'll give you a few references. If this is of interest to you, you have a friend who's Seventh-day Adventist, look up John 20, 19, Acts 27, verse 7, and Revelation 1, 10. If you read those three verses and you read them with them, it'll pretty well explain how we got from Saturday to Sunday. I don't have time to explain it. But it's very clear how we got there. Jesus appeared. The early church practiced it, moving it to Sunday. That's why we do it too. Okay, so now back to that very last part. He made it holy. He made it holy. There's interesting dynamic here, right? So at the end of our thing, it says he made it holy. And the beginning said, what are we to do? Keep it holy. So what God has made holy, we're to keep holy. Kids, does your mom have like really nice dishes like that you aren't supposed to use every day? Does she have those? Yeah, we have them at our house. What if you like made mud pie in those? Would you get in trouble? Yeah. So in the temple, in the Old Testament, they had gold dishes. And they were only to be used for special temple stuff. God made them holy. So he made dishes holy, he made the temple holy, and he made this day holy. This is a day not to be used for common purposes, just like mom's nice dishes. God has set this day apart from all others. Now you might be asking, okay, So, what in the world are we supposed to do? If we aren't supposed to do anything else, no work on Sunday. Well, here's two practical words. Plan ahead. Plan ahead. You know, as you're thinking about signing up for something, is this race, is this game, do they happen on Sundays? What about this job? Well, I have to work on Sundays. If you pick Chick-fil-A, you don't have that problem, right? That's not a plug for Chick-fil-A, but they have good chicken. Um, But do you see that? If you plan ahead, you can look at things. Is this trip? Can I move this trip either to Saturday or Monday and just worship wherever you are on Sunday? That's one way you can make practical application of this. What else are you supposed to fill it with? Well, obviously, you're here. So I'm preaching to the choir to say you should be at church. Hey, thanks for coming. So, But it really is, it goes out saying or shouldn't go without saying, that it's not sitting on your couch watching a church online. Why? Because God, Jesus actually wants us to gather together. He actually delights in us physically being in the same space, breathing the same air. It's a big deal to God, to Jesus, okay? So that's one reason. It's not listening to a sermon as you travel. Even though you have your family, God actually wants us to gather as churches. It really matters to Jesus It should matter to us. But what about the rest of the day? I mean, do you ever feel like, I wish I had more time to just enjoy Christian fellowship? I feel like that sometimes. God has set aside a whole day, so now you have time. Do you ever feel like, I wish I had more time to study the Bible or read a good Christian book? God has set aside a whole day, so now you have time. Or spend unhurried time with your kids. God has set aside a day, so now you have time. Or care for a widow or visit someone who has surgery. Well, I can't do that during the week. I have to work so much. God has set aside a whole day, so now you have time. You see, many of the things that we wish we could do in our Christian lives, we actually have a whole day to do them. We have a big bucket to fill. 
right? That you wonder, I have no time for this. He's, we have a day set aside for this. I want to close with a story when this really took center stage for a young man, the fourth commandment. He was a world-class runner from Great Britain. He'd been training for the Olympics for the 100-meter race. A few months before the Olympics, he discovered it was going to happen on Sunday. He was a strong Christian. He was committed to obeying the fourth commandment, the very thing we studied today. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to run. It's a day of rest. It's a holy day. No, I'm not going to run. Who cares if it's the Olympics? I'm not going to dishonor God in this way. The entire nation of Great Britain was in uproar. Like this is their hope. This is our golden boy who's going to win them a gold. Plead with him. Can you not just make an exception this one day? Kids, can you imagine what that would have been like? The pressure of having your whole country, like the news. You're on the news being told that you should take a break on Sunday so you can go run this race. That's a lot of pressure. Do you think he caved? He didn't. He went to his coach and said, hey, I'd like to try out for the 400 meter. Now, I'm not a runner, but I hear going from the 100 meter to the 400 meter is a big deal, particularly when you get to the Olympics. He said, I want to try out for it. And so he did. He kept the Sabbath day holy. You know how God honored him? He actually won the gold medal in the 400 meter and a bronze in the 200 meter. It was the 1924 Olympics in Paris. His name was Eric Little. If you're bored this afternoon, you wonder how to spend the Sabbath, there's a movie about this called Chariots of Fire, this story. So it's not always theoretical. There have been many people who this is very, very practical. And it's practical for you. Give God's way a try, brothers and sisters. Start setting aside Sunday as holy. God has given this day to you as a gift. He knows you need a break and to focus on him more. Please hear the words of God and take them seriously as Eric Little did. This is so good. I'm going to read it again from Isaiah 58, and we're going to close with this. 13 and 14. May it sink into our hearts. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it not by going your own way or doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's not my words. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. He wants to give you this good gift. Please receive and accept the gift. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us this blessing. Lord, our taste buds are kind of disordered. And we have more of a taste for the things of this world, even fine things, than we do for the things of you. Lord, please transform my taste buds. Transforms all of ours. That we would love the things of you so much that, that we wouldn't want to do anything else. But Lord, give us faith in the meantime, as our feelings don't match what we know Scripture to say. Lord, I pray for Hope Community Church that we would be a church that has the DNA of setting this day aside. I pray for those who are, very, who are often not in church, that you would really help them. I pray for those who are always in church, that you would help them. Lord, that they, you would move in their hearts, that this day would be more full of joy than it is now. Do that in my heart, Father. I love you. I know that one day I'll see you face to face. May my Sundays be more special. May it be true of all of us. 
We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.